What's going on? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It is heard live every day from noon to three on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content like invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with all the links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And again, thank you so much for your support. Uh, The president just wrapping up remarks in Poland. Um, He said... uh, I'm just going to quote Philip Melanchthon, Melanchthon, anyway, Philip Wegman. I don't know how to pronounce his middle name, but he uh, he's a writer, uh, reporter for, I believe, the Washington Examiner or Times, I forget. But he's a reporter, follows the president around, and uh, he's got these quotes. I did not watch the speech. Uh, I'm trying to avert my eyes as we are, like, riding along. Like, you know, like when you go up into the mountains and you're on one of those really narrow roads and you look off to the right side and it's just a like a straight drop off and there's no guardrail there it's just a straight drop off going down as far as the eye can see you have no idea where it's going to land except what appears to be world war three and so i'm just not even i just don't even want to look off to that side uh biden said this was never a necessity it's a tragedy president putin chose this war all across my country, in big cities and small towns, and on every liberal Facebook page, Ukrainian flags fly in front of American homes. Okay, he didn't say that about the Facebook profile. But it's always the case. Have you noticed that? Ukrainian flags in the profiles, on the avatars and stuff. I got a pretty good idea of how you're going to engage with me. <laughs> Which, I don't understand why that's the case. Biden says, uh, in Poland, there are, quote, very bitter days ahead as Ukraine defends itself and remains largely unvaccinated. No, I'm kidding. He didn't say that last part about the unvaccinated, but he did make a similar prediction about this would be the winter of death for the unvaccinated. And we're almost through it, people. We have like three weeks left, four weeks left, and then we're through the winter of death. But I guess the winter of death is going over to Poland or Ukraine or both. Not really sure, but very bitter days. As Ukraine defends itself and launches counter-offensive, uh, kind of a counter-offensives rather, to retake land taken by Russia, he promises the U.S. and allies are going to contribute to have Ukraine's back as it defends itself, and that they are going to now announce more sanctions this week, together with our partners, uh, just ahead of the one-year anniversary. Uh, so there you go. More sanctions are coming. Now I did see. Um, where is it here? Eric Erickson. Yeah. Talk show host out of Atlanta. Uh, congrats, by the way. I think he got re-signed to another like three years or something. Um, he says, I support funding Ukraine. The position is harder to maintain when the loudest voices for Ukraine are increasingly intolerant of any voices suggesting moderation, caution, or any kind of fiscal calculation tied to the funding. The the, uh, all-in or you're a Russian stooge approach undermines the case. He's exactly right. You can support Ukraine's defense of its borders, Ukraine's defense of itself against Russia. I'm not a Ukrainian expert. I know, like, a lot of people are apparently, like, uh, uh, Russian, or what do you call it, Russo? Russo Russo-Ukrainian? I know there are a lot of experts on social media. They know all the history about Ukraine and Russia and the Donbass or whatever. I know, like, you guys got it all hammered out. 
fine. I don't. I'm not an expert on the Russian-Ukrainian history. I don't. I don't have. Uh, I don't have my thumb on the pulse of the Ukrainians or the Russians, for that matter. Um, I don't have my you know, my ear on the street, so I'm not hearing much. I'm not feeling much. I'm not seeing much about it. I'm just kind of looking over the side of the road and thinking, oh, that looks like nuclear war. That's all. And that's it. That's all I can say. Yeah, just like the mushroom clouds. They look they look much smaller when you're up here <laughs> as they race through the valley and up the side of the mountains. Oh, my God. All right. So uh, there is also, um, where is this? Jim Garrity, National Review. Headline, there's too much bull in Biden's China shop. And uh, I'm not sure if you heard... Where was this? Uh, there was a quote that somebody uh, in the administration gave, and it sounded kind of uh, kind of scary, a little bit reminiscent of a quote from a couple of years ago. I mean, I'm old enough to remember it. Somebody in the administration apparently uh, said something about China uh, supporting Russia would be a um, red line. A red line. And... Do you remember the last time a president or an administration used that term? Do you remember what happened? Barack Obama went off script, just started winging it during a Q&A with the press. And somebody asked him that if Syria were to use chemical weapons, and he said, oh, that would be a red line. And they shouldn't cross it, right? Like that, that was it. Red line. Can't cross it. And then they did. And now we got to do something because you said it's a red line. So using the term red line with the Chinese backing the Russians. uh, And we're really high up this mountain. Just like there's no guardrail at all on this side. I'm just. Going faster and faster. It doesn't seem like the guy who's driving can see the road very well. I mean, it's nighttime. He's old. It's bad. All right. All right. So there's your international update. (laughs) Yeah. Very concerning. Meanwhile, President Trump, former President Trump, was in Ohio giving a speech uh, after the, uh, uh, the train derailment up there. What's with all the factories catching fire now, too? Have you seen that? There's been a couple factories. That have caught fire. It was like a. No, it wasn't an egg factory, although that would probably smell delicious. I mean, after a little while, not at first, but after a little while, like after it starts to set. Anyway, uh, no, there. Like I'm just noticing. Maybe I'm just noticing more of them because people are covering them and they're getting more reach now or something. But I have noticed it. I have noticed it. Um, what else? Oh, Kevin McCarthy. Kevin, Mc- the House Speaker. He has given 41,000 hours of Capitol surveillance footage from the January 6th riot to Fox News' Tucker Carlson. This is according to Mike Allen at Axios.com. Carlson TV producers were on Capitol Hill last week to begin digging through the trove, which includes multiple camera angles from all over Capitol grounds. Excerpts will begin airing in coming weeks. 
Axios does their little explanatory journalism thing where they treat you like you're an idiot who can't read past a third grade level. So they go, why it matters. So I'm going to tell you why it matters. Why it matters. Carlson has repeatedly questioned official accounts of January 6th downplaying the insurrection as vandalism. Right. So, yeah, because a lot of people who were there committed vandalism. There were a lot of people who were there. They thought they were like just walking through. Oh, look at this. We're protesting. Hey, look at this. We're getting waved through, which is what the footage is going to show, by the way. It's going to show Capitol Hill police welcoming people in, holding doors open for the crowds. It's going to show that because I've already seen it. So I know it's going to show that. And I know it's probably going to show similar stuff. And for some reason, we're not allowed to see the similar stuff. It's almost as if people might be married to a particular narrative here. Almost. Alrighty, so Axios.com reporting that Fox News has gotten a hold of like 40,000 hours of footage from the Capitol on January 6th. And when Mike Allen from Axios called up Tucker Carlson, Carlson said, quote, uh, there was never any legitimate reason for this footage to remain secret. If there was ever a question that's in the public's interest to know, it's what actually happened on January 6th. By definition, this video will reveal it. It's impossible for me to understand why any honest person would be bothered by that. And then Mike Allen at Axios, because again, they do explanatory journalism where they treat you like you are an idiot at a third grade level. They do reality check as like a little... Heading, you know, in bold reality check. So it's like a point, counterpoint. So here's what Tucker says. Like, but then they, so they're pretending to be like presenting the arguments here. But when you use the loaded language of reality check, and then you say the following quote, the January 6th committee played numerous excerpts of the footage at last year's captivating hearings. And then they have a link to the committee's archive, right? Numerous excerpts. I'm sorry. Uh, I know I didn't watch all of it, and by all of it, I mean like virtually none of it, but um, I don't think it ran 41,000 hours, did it? No. Are you telling me that the January 6th committee, that was not an adversarial format, that they picked all of the most relevant video files and audio clippings, that they got all of that and told the most objective story that they could? Or was it a more partisan type affair? The January 6th committee played numerous excerpts. Do you mean they were selectively edited? Right? That's always the criticism we hear with Project Veritas and James O'Keefe, which, by the way, yes, I I am going to get to that story as well. But then they also label it as captivating hearings. Eh, I don't know about captivating. I mean, I know it was scripted. I know they brought in, you know, some ABC report, uh, uh, producer or something. They... They definitely made it, they, they, it had a high production value. I'm not sure it was so captivating, except, of course, to people that were super interested in seeing a show trial, because that's really what it devolved into, right? It was a show trial. So it wasn't a, wasn't a trial that we see going on with, like, for example, the Alec Murdoch case, which, yes, we'll have an updated 2 o'clock on that. Big news. His son uh, took the stand today. Buster took the stand today. Um but Tucker Carlson is exactly right. And if you listen to this show for any extended period of time, you know that, you know, I don't exactly beat the drum for Tucker Carlson's program. 
I like some of the things he has to say. I've I've watched uh, him for years. Not his show on Fox. I don't really watch any of the the cable channels anymore. I don't watch any real. I, I really don't watch any of the news programs. I prefer to read the text of the the news story and then go chase down the leads or the links that they put into their stories. That's how I. That's how I do. It's sort of um, lateral research. Lateral. Uh, yeah, because it's the well. They call it lateral because it's the uh, tabs on your browser. And you just keep opening tabs as you read down a story. So vertically, you then start going laterally or horizontally, right? As you come across some statement or something that's in that story, I will grab whatever that is, whether it's a link or it's a concept. I then set up another tab and I start researching that. And so I'll have three or four of these tabs going for all of the, for one story. And then after I do my research, as I read through the story, then I can kind of distill down, uh, what I think is the most pertinent information. Anyway, um, there was uh, there was this quote. It's impossible for me to understand why any honest person would be bothered by that. And that is exactly correct. If you are an honest person and you are honestly pursuing the truth and you want to know what happened on January 6th, which I do, by the way, which is why I did not watch the J6 committees, the hearings, because it was not an adversarial format. I said it from the very beginning. No, Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney don't count. They were not adversaries. They were all of a like mind. The reason for an adversarial format is precisely why we have it in our criminal justice system, which is you need advocates for different sides. And the better argument, the better evidence will win the day. That's the best way to get at the truth. And so when you mask this stuff, I mean, think about it. Think about if you were only allowed to have the prosecution present a case, because that's what we saw in the J6 committee hearings. Now, Tim Mulvey, he's a former senior staff member and spokesman for the House 1-6 committee. He says uh, he's concerned that there aren't enough security protections embedded in the deal with Fox News' Tucker Carlson. Security protections? So what, that they're going to... They're going to broadcast stuff out that's going to what jeopardize sources or something. What I don't like, I'm trying to figure out what exactly the security protections you need are. What exactly are they? The responses, sources, and methods, or whatever that they always talk about why they have to classify everything. But um, as uh, Tucker Carlson said, that. It's impossible for him to understand why any honest person would be bothered by that. Adam Schiff is bothered by it, which makes sense because Adam Schiff is not an honest person, so he's bothered by it. Tucker Carlson says it's impossible for him to understand why any honest person would be bothered by the release of all of the J6 video. And uh, right on cue, Congressman Adam Schiff says he's bothered by it. Very, very bothered. He said on Twitter, quote, Kevin McCarthy turned over Jan 6 video to right-wing propagandist Tucker Carlson, a man who spews Kremlin talking points, suggests Jan 6 was a false flag and spreads the big lie. Make no mistake, this isn't about transparency. It's about fueling dangerous conspiracy theories. So Nick Arama over at RedState.com points out that this is the guy who lied his head off about the Russian collusion hoax. Right. He was the one that was 
telling everybody in public and leaking uh, 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 stories that were completely fabricated to media outlets. And then when put under oath in deposition or in closed hearings, he would always say there's no evidence to support any link between Russia and Trump. There's no collusion evidence. But he's out there telling everybody on the record. He's out there, you know, on the uh, the morning shows, on the uh, making the, you know, the circuit there on the weekend news shows. But now he's concerned about dangerous conspiracy theories when he helped promote one, like the biggest one. The How is the actual video footage dangerous conspiracy theories? How is that dangerous? What Schiff is saying is that he's got a problem with the truth coming out, that the truth is dangerous, right? That's what he's saying and that he fears it. That's why neither he nor Nancy Pelosi wanted these videos out Otherwise, right, he would not be so desperate to attack uh, the release now. If he cared about the truth, he'd welcome the release. But to shift, the truth is just something to lie about to achieve his political aims. Schiff is so nervous about this, almost as if he thinks people will see things that he doesn't want them to see. That's exactly right exactly right they wanted the they wanted the narrative calcified which it would have had the republicans not won back control of the house right they want the narrative written they want it to harden to calcify right to become the truth the old uh, axiom right when the uh when the truth becomes legend print the legend that's what we see here and then he has the audacity the nerve the chutzpah to go call someone else a propagandist when you guys took 41,000 hours of video and you selectively edited it down to fit whatever uh, case you were building against Donald Trump, and that was always the point, right? We all knew that was the point, which, fine, if you want to do that, then you set up an adversarial format. So the truth outs. That's the point. And you would think that the people have been accusing James O'Keefe and Project Veritas for years of, quote, selectively editing stuff. You would think they would know about selectively edited video not being trustworthy. Of course, that would assume that they were making that argument in good faith, which, of course, they were not. Because Project Veritas using video clips to tell a larger story in a condensed format is quite literally what news organizations do. You'll sit for a half-hour interview, and they will pull about 45 to 60 seconds worth of uh, audio from you, of your statements. Even less if you witnessed a tornado or a train wreck, because all they need you to say is it sounded like a tornado. If it was a train wreck, and if it was a train wreck, they need you to just say it sounded like a tornado. They'll say, oh, it sounded like a freight train. That's it. Freight train or tornado. Tornado sounds like freight train. That's it. So it's very short sound bites for those uh, circumstances. The founder and CEO of Project Veritas is reportedly leaving the company he founded in 2011. This comes after 16 staffers tried to oust him from the leadership of his own company, claiming, among other things, that he was difficult to work for. And once he stole someone's sandwich from the fridge. I'm not even kidding about that. 
He stole their. I think it was a pregnant woman. That led to a uh, dispute within the board of directors. Apparently, they have got five. At least that's what the votes were in the documents that he has since released. And um, the vote was three to two to remove him. Neil McCabe of OAN broke the story on Twitter saying O'Keefe delivered his resignation in person to his staff at the uh, office in New York at Mamaronic, Mamaronic, whatever. I think it's like upstate somewhere. Uh, Shortly after McCabe's announcement, Project Veritas's R.C. Maxwell stated that the report was not accurate and that O'Keefe was, in fact, removed as CEO by the board. After the 16 staffers sent the letter to the project, and I went over that yesterday, by the way, I gave you that news as it was breaking yesterday. After the 16 staffers sent the letter to the Project Veritas Board of Directors in early February, James O'Keefe is Project Veritas, began to trend on Twitter. Many supporters and donors all balked at the idea that Veritas could continue without him at the helm, and prominent conservatives gave their support for O'Keefe. I do have a couple uh, sound bites. I watched his entire video that uh, they recorded. He recorded when he delivered uh, his uh, his farewell address, basically to his staff. Uh, he had it recorded, and then he said he was doing so. Uh, this was just for internal purposes. Mm-hmm. Sure, it was, <laughs> but it got leaked, and so now everybody can watch it. And I did. It was like forty five minutes. I pulled two sound bites out of it. We'll take a listen to those. Um, the undersigned is troubled and frustrated with James's management style and business acumen, said the, the letter from the 16 staffers. These behaviors and actions are antithetical to our core values. James has become a power-drunk tyrant, and he is exactly who he pontificates on who we should be exposing. So this, was, this letter prompted a uh, <clears throat> what was called an airing of grievances, where the board of directors held a meeting and then proceeded to bring in all of the employees to basically lodge their complaints in front of the board and O'Keefe and maybe even some donors, which this is just, it's not, that's not a good look. Look, there's an old uh, uh, piece of advice in management, which is you, you praise in public and you discipline in private. And there's a reason for that. Lack of transparency and decision-making was a concern as well as uh, O'Keefe being difficult to work with belligerent, and mean with bullying listed as a concern. After news of this broke yesterday, Project Veritas has been hemorrhaging followers on social media. Now, here's where Project Veritas, in my view, they're going to run into some problems here is because um, they tried to lie about it. They tried to pretend that James O'Keefe was just on vacation. They sent out some tweets. They were like, hey, look at James O'Keefe, he's got some well-earned time off. No, they had suspended him. They were trying to force him out, and then he was trying to force the board out. And they they had this de- uh, deadline of yesterday. No movement occurred, and so he was out, and he gave the statement. We'll take a listen to a couple of the uh, clips. All righty, so uh, where am I here? Oh, let me read this uh, email real quick. This was on the... Uh, earlier topic of Ukraine, uh, Joseph says, uh, do you think all of the doomsday prognosticators back in the 50s uh, when they were making those duck and cover school films thought the nuclear holocaust end of the world would happen because a demented old coots crackhead kid was part of an international money laundering scheme? Man, life is weird. Life is weird. It is. 
Okay, so back to Project Veritas. A cease and desist letter went out to the Project Veritas board of directors by a law firm saying that the firm was representing a large group of significant donors to Project Veritas. Uh, The donors have grave concerns about the board of directors' action to remove James O'Keefe. O'Keefe addressed the staff yesterday, and let me see here. Uh, but, 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 but he said board members uh, shouldn't try to destroy the organization, and he demanded they resign. I will return to work on Monday, that's today, and work with the remaining team to go forward with our mission. Short of this action, I cannot in good faith return to the employment of an organization with leaders who are attacking me personally, making false and unsupported claims of improper management of resources about weddings and black cars, improperly airing employment issues related to me and others at Project Veritas. I did not leak that document, and I would swear to it under oath. All right, real quick, the weddings and black cars, um, the black cars, renting cars, right? Getting all the black car service, right? Using Using these vehicles in order to drive around, get to places, whatever. Uh, and uh, so that was one of the criticisms that the board had. Uh, and um, the other one was the wedding. They said that he had uh, spent $12,000, got reimbursed $12,000 for a down payment on a wedding. And he says that wasn't actually a wedding. That was the uh, Project Veritas Christmas party. <laughs> and uh, you were there. Y'all were there. <laughs> that was what that was. I've never been married. James O'Keefe has never been married. How was it a down payment on his wedding? that it probably wasn't the best idea to march employees into a boardroom. That's never happened in any boardroom in the history of boardrooms. And that's one of the reasons why our donors are so upset. That doesn't happen. Ruining our reputation in front of supporters and donors and leaking confidential information and fabricating stories. One of our ethical rules is we don't lie to our audience. I've never lied to our audience in 13 years. But I was stripped of all decision-making last week. And you guys put out a statement lying to your audience. And there's nothing I could do about it. Because I was stripped of all my decision-making. I was removed from CEO. He also had a screenshot that one of his uh, employees, one of the Project Veritas employees, sent him where a board member was offering the journalist a uh, pay raise if they could help get O'Keefe removed. O'Keefe then got emotional, talking about his dad and the early days of Project Veritas. My, my dear team, I do love many of you. I never said it, those words, but I'll say it now. I want to go back to the beginning of what I said and express how important so many of you are to me. How I still believe we have a long and bright future together somehow, some way. And to share my profound appreciation for many of you. When I left the office, and this is where I'm going to get emotional, so please forgive me. When I left the office on February 6th, after being stripped of all my authority, I saw my father and gave him a hug, realizing just how honest and real of a man he is. Both my parents are as genuine and down-to-earth as a son could ever have. It's true you never really know someone until you go through hell with them. You see, back in the carriage house 13 years ago, the feds would come to my home to make sure that I was inside my house administering random drug tests and rifling through my expenses to make sure I wasn't lying about the strawberry ice cream I bought at 7-Eleven. I didn't have any money, but they went through my debit card statements and tried to get me to sign things to prove I wasn't lying. There were federal agents showing up at my parents' house 
there were no donors, there were no supporters, and I was not trending on Twitter. My father went through this hell with me and stood up to those bullies on the front lawn and told them to stop harassing our family. And at that point, that's all I had was him. I was otherwise completely alone. I will never forget that. Now the good news, we're no longer alone. We have millions of Americans who do, who also know who I am. In fact, sorry. Sorry, we're all trying, boss. In fact, you have, and we all have watched their overwhelming support. They see the truth. They know who I am. I also know many of you know who I am, and you know what's right, right? You know, you, you're, you're, you're people of principle here, people in this room, and this now may be your moment of truth. All right, so he also pointed out, O'Keefe did, that all of this stuff with the board, the complaints from the staff, all of this action against him began right after the Pfizer sting, right? The undercover recording of the Pfizer executive guy, uh, you know, oh, my God, oh, my God, is this even happening? Like that guy who then attacked him, tried to break the, the tablet with the video on it because we all know that's that's where the video lives. It's definitely not in some sort of like cloud storage um, where they were talking about, uh, talking about gain of function, mutating the virus and that sort of stuff. That got released. They then went to uh, confront the Pfizer CEO, right? And after that video, those two videos went out. They went viral. They have they were the most watched videos in Project Veritas history. And then all of a sudden, the move to take out O'Keefe occurs. And so he's asking why now. He doesn't answer. I bet he has some thoughts, but he didn't share them. But he just asks about the timing. Thank <laughs> you.